So like some of you, I did my New Year's resolutions this year and, you know, like always, I want to lose 10 kilograms and I want to read a lot more. Like I set myself a goal last year to read one book a week. Uh, that became like one book every two months. Um, so this year I'm like, let's try one book every two weeks. So I'll see if eventually I'll, I'll, I'll get something right. Um, obviously to spend more time with my kids and to be more like Jesus, especially in traffic and on the golf course. Because um, I'm not sure if Jesus would have thrown his sandwich like I did the other day. Um, so that's why I need God's grace to help me a little bit. But um, I believe it's good to be intentional about your life. I, I think it's good. It's not good. Let me say this. It's not good to have too much introspection. Like some people are constantly so introspective that they never are just living their lives on what's going on on the outside and just enjoying the moment. They're always analyzing and evaluating. And I don't think that's good. I think at some point you just got to trust Jesus and you just got to live your life. Um, but it is good every now and again to take a little bit of stock and to think about your life and to have a vision for your life, to, to uh, make sure that you're healthy and that you're prioritizing your time correctly and, and doing all the things that you believe that God has called you to do. And so in Colossians 2, it talks about people who have growth, but not a growth that is from God. And we're talking about growth a little bit today. Um, and it says here, holding fast to the head of the body, Jesus Christ, from whom the entire body, supplied and knit together by its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that can only come from God. Look at what it says. It says, holding fast to the head of the body, Jesus Christ. Holding fast to the head, Jesus Christ. And as we hold fast to the head, from this head, from Jesus, from this focus on Jesus and who he is, the entire body is supplied and knit together by its joints and ligaments and grows with a growth that can only come from God which tells me that there's a kind of growing that can happen in your life apart from Jesus, which is not the kind of growth that we want. Come on, there's so many ways that we can grow, but we can grow in our own sensuous pride. We can grow in our own, in our own ideas of religion. We can grow in what we think it, it means to be right with God. But the scriptures say that in order to grow with a growth that can only come from God, we need to hold fast to the head. We need to hold fast to Jesus. Now, I'm going to confess um, some of my sins as a parent um, because this is the second time this has actually happened with um, the second one of my children. I've got three, so I've only got one to go. Um, and so um, I, I shared a story a while back about how Eli, when he was younger, fell into the pool. And, um, and the other day it happened again, but this time with Jude. Um, and I was actually standing with Eli, and I was, I was my oldest boy. He's five years old. I was putting on his costume. I was zipping it up. And just for that split moment, as I was zipping up his costume, I turned my back on Jude, who's three, who was standing behind me. And he silently managed to fall into the pool in silence. Like there was no splashing, there were no noises. And I turned around and I just saw this little hand slip under the water, just this tiny little hand. And so I obviously dove in and grabbed him and, and pulled him out of the water. And I put him on the side and he sat there kind of coughing, looking up at me disappointed, like, how could you let this happen to me, dad? And uh, he was coughing a little bit. And when he could eventually speak, he, he, all he could say was, I nearly died. Um, <laughs> And then I went to pick him up at school the next day, and one of the other kids told me that he nearly died. And then I realized now everybody knows that I nearly let my son drown. Um, but since then, whenever I take him with me into the swimming pool, 
he clings onto my neck like you cannot believe. Like he nearly breaks my neck holding onto it when we go into the swimming pool. And that is, when I read that scripture about holding fast to the head, what the scripture says is that in this life, through faith, we cling to the neck of Jesus. That's, we, we, we don't swim in our own strength. We don't take on the waves in our own ability. We, we cling onto it as if our life depends upon it, to the neck of Jesus. We hold on to him. We hold fast to him. And that's the idea here. When we hold on to, to Jesus, the growth that we experience is a growth that comes from God. If you keep your eyes this year fixed on Jesus, because when you do your resolutions, what often happens is that your eyes begin to get fixed on yourself. How, how do I need to improve myself this year? What do I need to be better at? What do I need to work harder at? How, you know, so, some people have sat and they go, I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better mom. I want to be, be a better employee or a better person in general. But how is it possible for me to be better? And some of them look to themselves and go, I'm going to try hard to fix myself. But what the scripture says is, if you want the kind of growth that comes from God, Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your faith on Jesus. Hold fast to the head so that we can grow with a growth that only can come from God. And in all the ways that I can grow in 2017, I want for my life the kind of growth that comes from God. How many of you want that for your own life? Like I want God to cause some things to happen in me this year. That's what this, the gospel says. That's what God does in our lives. The scriptures, in fact, talk of Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, and he says it is like a man who sows seed and then goes to bed. He rests after the seed has been planted, and then he wakes up, and there's a harvest, and he doesn't know how it happened because all he did was sow the seed, but the earth produces its crops. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is like that. You put your faith in God, and then he causes the growth. We sow the seed of faith. We put our faith and our trust in Jesus. And growth happens. And that's the kind of growth that I want for my life. I want to become more and more the person that God has caused me to be. And it's so comforting for me to know that God looks at my life like He is the master landscaper and he looks at my life and your life like a prized possession that he prunes and perfects and, and causes it to produce the fruit that he has ordained for it to produce. Isn't it an incredible thought that God is pouring over your life right now? He sees you. He sees every part of you. He sees your struggles. He sees your temptations. He sees your difficulties. He sees the things that you struggle with daily. You say, I wish I could stop thinking this way. I wish I could stop living out this way. God goes, I'm going to prune. I'm going to perfect. And I'm going to cause growth to happen in your life. Just hold fast to the faith. Just hold fast to the head. That's what God is going to do in our lives this year, I believe. So Paul writes to Timothy. Timothy is a, is a young pastor that's called by God. He's leading a church at the age of 23 that most historians believe was around 100,000 people at the age of 23 in Ephesus. He's leading one of the biggest churches uh, in the world at that time. And Paul writes a letter to Timothy in, in 1 Timothy 6 verse 12. He says this to Timothy. He says, fight 
the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. So I had this thought to myself. I read that scripture and I thought to myself, what is the good fight of faith? Have you ever thought about that? Like what is the good fight that we have been called to fight, that Paul charges Timothy to fight? For a lot of people, they think that the good fight of faith means fighting people who don't believe. Like we need to stand up against unbelief and we need to fight against people who are unbelievers. And if you look at the life of Jesus, you'll see that's the exact opposite of what he did. He didn't fight unbelievers. He loved unbelievers. He spent time. He ate meals with them. He hung out with them. He showed them more about who God had created them to be. When the Bible calls us to fight the good fight of faith, it's not calling us to fight against unbelief or against unbelievers. Fighting the good fight of faith is not about being a Facebook warrior. Have you ever seen those Facebook warriors? Man, it, 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 can get, it can get ugly real fast on Facebook, let me tell you. People who, who their, their, their missionary, kind of the full extent of their missionary life and evangelism in this world is to, is to post uh, kind of controversial statements on Facebook and then to have fights with people about them. And I'm yet to see somebody come to Jesus and then ask them the question, how did you come to meet Jesus and understand his goodness and his grace? And he goes, you know, there was just somebody who posted something on Facebook and it was really controversial and, you know, it made me believe in Jesus. Like I'm yet to meet, meet that person whose life was changed through that kind of a, of a post. So fighting the good fight of faith is not about being a Facebook warrior. It's also not about fighting society's warped ideas. We know that our society and that our world is warped. It has been since the fall of man. In Romans 1, Paul writes about it and he says that, that the entire world in forgetting or in rejecting the knowledge of God have been given over to a neglected mind. The way that the Greek puts it there is, is, that, is that they have, they in neglecting or rejecting God in their mind have been given over to a rejected mind. And so the world that we live in, the society, its values, its norms, what's, what's accepted as right and wrong, it's all warped. It's warped from what truth is and what meaning is and what purpose is and, and for what our Creator intended. We know, we experience the pain and the heartache of living in a world like that. And so we know that that is the case. But being a warrior or being somebody who's fighting the good fight of faith doesn't necessarily mean that you're going out picketing the next social issue. Oh, we're fighting the good fight of faith. No, you're just fighting with society's ideals, which we already know are warped. The fight of faith, I believe, isn't any of these things. Instead, I understood as I read through the scriptures and other scriptures like this that to fight the good fight of faith means to fight your own desire to live according to the opposite of faith, which is sight. The opposite of faith is sight. To live by what you can see. To, to live your life according to what you can accomplish in your own strength. To live your life in your own strength, in your own ability. 
And Paul writes to Timothy, this young guy leading a church of 100,000 people facing massive pressure, and he says, you've got to fight the good fight of faith. In other words, don't be tempted to look to your own self again. Don't be tempted to live this life in your own strength, according to your own intelligence or your, the power of your own will or, the, or, or your own ability or your own giftings or talents that you may have. Don't do it in your own strength. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You know, Jesus said that narrow is the road for those that are following him and, and going to eternal life. And broad is the, lo- the road that leads to destruction. And people, again, often interpret that scripture as Narrow meaning, I've got to make sure I live just this perfect life, just on this narrow, I can't take one step wrong, and it's not what it's saying. The narrow road is to keep trusting in the grace of God. Not going into your own ability in order to save yourself, but to keep your faith fixed in Jesus. Colossians 1, verse 23 says this. It says, Christ will present you holy and blameless before God. Not you will then come and present yourself after you've lived a great life as holy and blameless. No, Christ will present you as holy and blameless before God, provided you continue in the faith. Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Not shifting away from the hope of the gospel. I really believe that this fight is the biggest fight that we have as people. Charles Spurgeon said, every man is born a Pharisee, and the Pharisees want to save themselves. We all have this desire. We're such sinners that we want to be our own saviors. And so when Jesus comes, he doesn't only deliver us from sin, but from other saviors as well. He delivers us from that desire to save ourselves. And he brings us into this place where we fight to trust in God, to to rest in Jesus, to stay satisfied in God. It's the fight to keep hoping in what God has for your life. As we look towards 2017, I want to ask you this morning, is your hope in Jesus? Is your hope in Jesus? Is your trust in Jesus? Is your, your, are your eyes fixed on Jesus and what he has for you? Don't be tempted to look to yourself. That's what we're called to. Is your hope in Jesus for 2017? Can you feel the fight going on right now? Like as I say that, like is your hope squarely in Jesus? You're like, yeah, but you know, I've also kind of got, that's the fight. It's happening in your heart as I say that. You're like, I trust in Jesus, but I know that I've got to do this thing and I've got to, you've made all the plans. And it's like, that's the fight right there. To rest in him or to fight in your own strength. And so Paul continually reminds guys, don't shift from the gospel. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Have it settled in your own heart that God is in control, that he is faithful and that he is true. And keep preaching the gospel to yourself every day. Every time you're you're tempted to, to go into your own strength, beat back that temptation to save yourself. 
not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Allow God to continue empowering you and speaking to you and, and reminding you about his love that we overcome as we are still in his presence. Exodus 14, 14, listen to this. This is all over the Bible. It's just a couple of verses here. Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you and you only have to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You just need to be still and trust in his strength. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, but they who wait for the Lord, in other words, who trust in God, who, who rest in God, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. Isn't that an incredible scripture? Those who wait on God will run and not grow weary. Like, I'm far away. I try to, I try to run like after my kids just on holiday. And I was like, I cannot run and not grow weary. I can't do it. My strength wanes. No matter how good I try and be, like New Year's resolution, 1st of January, Monday, I'm going to do this thing. My strength just wanes. It just, no matter how well I start, I, I don't have the ability to finish. But in God, when we wait on Him, we will mount up on wings like eagles. We will run and not grow weary. We'll find the strength to do the things that God has called us to do. And that's how we're able to take a hold of this eternal life. So, so Paul writes there, and he says uh, in that first scripture that we read, uh, sorry, in, in 1 Timothy 6, he says, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take a hold of it. When I, when I read that, I think about somebody like kind of grabbing something with both hands, kind of shaking it by the shoulders, like, I got you. This is, I've made it mine. And Paul says, fight the fight of faith. Take hold of everything that God has already given to you. This tells me that you can have eternal life and not really take a hold of it. Live according to it. Put your trust in it. But fight the good fight of faith and take a hold of everything that God has for your life. Don't let your faith just be a confession that you made in church. Paul writes there, he says, he says to Timothy, take hold of this eternal life that you got, that you made a confession about in the presence of many witnesses. And that's why we give people the opportunity here at Anchor Church to make a confession about their faith through prayer, through praying a prayer of faith, and also through baptism. We, we're confessing in the presence of witnesses that I really believe in what Jesus has done for me on the cross. I really believe in his grace and in his goodness. But what Paul is saying beyond that, take a hold of that life for your own self. Take a hold of, your, of the grace of God and of the fullness of God's calling on your life. Grab it with both hands and live it out. We're talking about growing this year and our growth. And, and I've got to tell you that growth doesn't happen through church programs. Church programs can facilitate. They can help. They can point in the right direction. But growth happens through people who are awakened by the grace of God to the more that God has called them to, to the life that God has for them. 
when you begin to realize that you are on this earth, not just to survive day by day and week by week, not just to make it, not just to, to make the next resolution or the next plan and to try and fulfill that, not just to achieve the next goal, but you're alive to make a difference. You're alive because God has a purpose for you that he wants you to live out. And so in Scripture, we find three different kind of positions that we have in God. We have one position in heaven. And when it talks about our position in heaven, it says that this is, this is your position. This is, the Bible says your real life, your spiritual life is in heaven with God, where you are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. This is you in heaven. You're seated. The work is already done. You're already sitting at the right hand of God with Christ as a co-heir to the throne. That is the spiritual reality of your life. That's who you are. You're seated with Christ in victory. Here on earth, it calls us to stand. To stand on what is already ours. To stand on what we know the victory is that we have in heaven. Here on earth, we stand against and fight against the temptation. To take things back into our own strength. The moment you begin to march, which is the interesting thing, when God speaks about armies in Scripture, uh, He doesn't talk about us as Christian armies marching. There's no command for a Christian army to march. There's only a command for a Christian army to stand. Why do we stand? Because we're already seated in heaven. We stand on the victory that God has already given us. It's already ours. But then you might look at your own life and you go, hey, but I need help because I'm still, I still feel very far from understanding how well seated I am in heaven and, and from standing in the fullness of what God has for me. And so if this is our position on earth, what God has called us to do on earth is to stand. For all of us, there is also a walk. A walk where we get closer and closer and closer by faith and by growth and by maturity as we hold fast to the head to be in this position where we simply stand in faith. Because we still struggle with unbelief. We still struggle with our own human emotions and our, and our own flaws and our own imperfections. I struggle with myself every day. And so we're called to walk. Walk on this journey with God as he shows you more of Jesus, as he reveals more of God's goodness and grace so that you can stand in who you are in Christ, knowing that you are seated in heaven with Jesus. This is the life that God wants us to take a hold of. Take a hold of who you already are. Sometimes when we write our resolutions down, like I did here, I write about everything that I know I'm not and desperately want to be. But the Bible says how we're gonna get there is not by trying to fulfill these things in our own strength, but by fixing our eyes on Jesus and coming to the place where we know our identity in Him. Does that make sense this morning? So God has got some incredible things for us. And the growth that we're going to experience is, is not going to come through, through church programs and, and, and New Year's resolutions. It's going to come from our faith in Jesus and grasping this, this thing that God has called us to, 
Knowing that you are seated with Christ means that there's nothing that keeps you from hearing God's voice, and there's nothing that keeps you from doing the things that God has called you to do. See, some people use the fact that they're imperfect as an excuse to not do the things that God has called them to do. But what the Scripture says is that you are already presented perfect and blameless before God by Christ, and therefore there's nothing left for us to do but be faithful. There's no more, oh, I've got to get better first before I can serve Jesus. Sorry, that's already been done for you. Now all that's left is for us to be faithful, for us to serve, for us to to pursue, for us to do the things that God has called us to do. So 2 Timothy 1 verse 6 to 7, Paul writing to Timothy again, and he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. I remind you to, to stir up, to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Fan into flame the gift that God has put on the inside of you. Take a hold of this life that God has for you. It's yours in Jesus. There's a passion and a drive and a gifting and a vision and a purpose and a fight that God has put on the inside of you. And Paul says, I want to remind you, fan that thing into flame. Let it burn brightly in your heart and in your understanding and in, your, in how you live your life. That God has got more for you than what you have for yourself. We fight for the things that we care about, right? If you don't care about something, you wouldn't fight for it. But we fight for the things that we care about. If, if, if you touch my wife, I'm going to fight you. If you touch my kids, like a man once did at Papacinos, I'm going to fight you. If, you. if you harm the church, I'm going to fight you. Because these are things I care about. We fight for the things that we care about. And so I want to encourage you in 2017 to fight for the calling that God has for your life. Fight for the calling that God has for your life. Fight against discouragement. Fight against your own feelings of unworthiness. Fight against the voices that tell you that you're not good enough to do what God has called you to do. That you haven't been in church long enough or that you don't know the Bible well enough or or that you still struggle with that sin. Fight for the calling that God has given you. Fight against those voices. Fight against those accusations. Put them down. Fight against guilt. The guilt and the shame that keeps you from laying hold with both hands freely of the eternal life that God has given you. Don't let anyone disqualify you, which is what Colossians 2 says. Don't let anyone disqualify you for the prize, telling you that you're not religious enough, you're not good enough, you don't follow enough feasts or enough, or enough festivals or, or, or enough uh, uh, religious rites to be right with God. But understand that you are in Christ, that you are forgiven, that you are the righteousness of God, and lay a hold of that life. Don't let anyone disqualify you. Don't let your own self disqualify you because you were born for more. Every single one of us, God has got a calling for us. 
I told my five-year-old son on holiday when we went fishing that he couldn't cast by himself because um, he was struggling a little bit. It's a little bit difficult to kind of get the technique right. And we were standing at the edge of the jetty by the sea and he was trying to cast into the sea. And I told him that he couldn't and he should wait for me to help him. And, and he turned around and he looked at me and he said, Dad, I was born for this. <laughs> and I thought to myself, he was probably born for more than that. But, but the point is, is that at least he gets it. He gets that he was born for something. That he's on this life, on this earth, in this life with purpose. He was born for this. A God-given purpose. And I want to tell you this morning, so were you. You were born for this. You were born for this fight. You were born for what God has called you to do. And when we rest in Jesus, we're free to pursue these things. We're free to run hard after the purpose that God has for our life. Without burning out, without, without growing weary, we can stir up the gift that God has and we can chase it and pursue it. And that's what we'll do this year. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pursue the purpose for which Christ pursued us. We're gonna run hard after the things that God has for our lives, for our families, for our marriages, for our, for our relationships, for our city. We're gonna run hard after these things, except we're gonna fight the temptation to do it in our own strength. And we're gonna keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and go, okay, God, we're holding fast to the head. And we know that as we do that, you fill us with your grace and your ability to complete and fulfill every plan and purpose that you have for our lives. I don't know about you, but many times in my life, I've said, I don't want to be 80 years old or 90 years old or 100 years old, or maybe even 150. I don't know how old I'm going to get. Medical science is developing fairly quickly. But whatever age I get to, I don't want to be lying there thinking to myself that I held back, that I didn't give it all, that I spent my time on myself trying to make life as comfortable as possible. Hey, we got to stop worshiping comfort because sometimes God wants things that are greater than comfort for us. I want to get to the end of my life and go, hey, I didn't do it perfectly. I was flawed in many ways, but God knows that by his grace, I did what Paul did. And what Paul said at the end of his life is he says, I have finished my race. I have fought the good fight of faith. I have not shifted from the hope of the gospel, but I kept my eyes fixed on Jesus and I can now be, go and be with him in peace. That's what I want for the end of my life and I really hope and believe that that's what you want for the end of your life. To say, hey, we left it all out on the field, we gave it all and we took hold of eternal life with both hands. Can we do that this year? Come on, can we take hold of the salvation that God has given us can we see God and trust God do miraculous things here in our church? That's what we're believing for. We're going to see it. Trust me. We are going to see God do incredible things. So let's go ahead and pray together.